Good morning, church. Good morning. The message I bring you this morning is taken from one of the least read books in the Bible. And that is not the reason why. A survey was conducted a little while ago on what was the most read and least read books of the Bible. The one that I'm speaking to you from this morning was listed amongst one of the least read. The reason given was because it is dark, it is difficult, it is arid, and you don't get much out of it. Well, sad to say <laughs> that they say that to their own hurt, because you, you'll see in a moment when we get through it, how much there is in it. Now I said this to you a while ago, I think it's worth repeating again, that when I get an invitation to minister, I go to the Lord and ask Him what message He would like me to convey. Because I don't know who's going to be here, I don't know how the Lord wants to talk to them, He does. And so sometimes I have to wait a week before I get a reply. <laughs> but when I get it, I know in my spirit that I know that I know that I know this is the message. And that's why I'm speaking from this book this morning because that's where the Lord led me as I waited on Him. And it is a book of 26 chapters. It has 350 verses in it and contains 600 names. Now the first 10 chapters has 153 verses, 300 names, but we're not going to look at all of them. We're going to look at a part midway in that book. And I just need to give you a little bit of background so you understand where we're going, where we're coming from that this book talks to us about the return of the captives from captivity in Babylon. Seventy years previously Nebuchadnezzar marched onto Babylon, he destroyed it to the ground, ransacked it, took the cream of the nation away with him to Babylon and there they remained for seventy odd years. Now in the meantime, Jerusalem had been razed to the ground, completely destroyed, although there was a remnant that was left behind who lived there. And the part that we're talking about is after the return. There were three returns from Babylon to Jerusalem. And that happened because one night Cyrus went in, captured Babylon, and deposed Nebuchadnezzar. And when you think that the walls of, of Babylon were 50 feet thick or 50 feet tall and 40 feet thick, there was no way they could break through that wall. 
and I'm told that you could race two chariots over the perimeter of the whole wall, 50 feet up in the air. Massive. And what happened was one night Cyrus directed the course of the river in a different route. And so he was able to walk up the riverbed into, into Babylon and that's how he captured it. And after he had captured it, <coughs> he wanted to return the Jews back to their city, Jerusalem. And there were three returns. And the first return came out led by Zerubbabel. The second return was led by Ezra. And the third return was, read by, was led by um, Hezekiah. Now, Zerubbabel was then elected as governor of Jerusalem and the instigator of the building of the first temple so that they could worship God. Now, they didn't have any place to worship God while they were in Babylon. So you can tell how much they wanted to worship the living God. Ezra was a professional scribe and he managed to get hold of the Torah and the first five books of Moses with the law and he brought that out with him in the second contingent that came through. And then Hezekiah, the third one, brought the third return or he was responsible for the third return, brought them back and out of this, these three men, Zerubbabel was responsible for the building of the spiritual house for God. Ezra was responsible for not only writing out, the scri uh, scribing out the, the scriptures, but he also set up the spiritual law in Jerusalem. And he used God's word as his backing to what he was doing. And if anyone questioned him, he took them back to the scriptures and he said, here, read it for yourself. So he made sure that he guarded what he did. A man was a professional, very, very spiritual. And Hezekiah, of course, was the builder of the wall of Jerusalem. So we had the temple, we had the law set up and we had the protection of the city by these three men. And so the book that describes that is the book of First Chronicles, which speaks for itself. It is a chronicle about the Jews, about the Israelites coming back from Babylon, where they came from originally and their roots all there for us. So it, it makes interesting reading. And um, as we read the book and we get to the verse that I want to speak on, we wonder how it all came about. Because if you turn with me to the book of First Corinthians, we will read together. It's only two verses, actually. 
And the wonder of it is that we don't know much about this man. I'll tell you about him as we go on. Uh, verse 9. And verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the name of God, saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thy hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Now at face value, reading this verse, we'll say, well, that was an egotistic, selfish prayer. Because the term my or me occurs four times in that one verse and once am I. But let me assure you, it wasn't an egotistic nor selfish prayer because we wonder when we read and God granted his request. So one would say, well, was God granting a selfish request? No, he wasn't, as we shall see. Now, Jabez was born during the last contingent of the return from Babylon to Jerusalem. And he was growing up and he was a man by the time the last contingent had come in. And whether his mother was responsible for having taught him the scriptures or whether he joined himself to Ezra, who was a scribe, who I said to you brought the law back with him into Jerusalem, we don't know. We don't know where he came from. We don't know his parents. But all we know is that his mother birthed him in pain and called his name in those days they used to use incidents with regard to the child and name them according to a certain incident and because she bore him through pain very painful birth she called his name Jabez which means pain and sorrow Imagine a man having that name. Here comes Mr. Payne. <laughs> and sorrow. And Jabez, of course, as we see, didn't like this label. And he didn't want to have it as a lasting memorial. He wanted, he wanted it changed. And so, whether or not he pursued Ezra, we don't know. But he became very spiritual. 
and we read that he was uh, where are we that Jabez was more honorable than his brethren he had brothers and sisters who went out into Jerusalem to have a good time Bill, just didn't you, Bill. Your, your microphone's not working can you not hear no no yeah. I'm all switched on. told that Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And while they went out into Jerusalem having a good time, Jabez was more concerned about his relationship with God. Massive, isn't it? We don't hear of this man at all. There's just this one verse in the Bible, and yet it speaks volumes. And as long as the Bible lasts, which will be forever, his name will forever be engraved in it. Wonderful, isn't it? And that gives you an idea of what this prayer was all about. And so he seeks the Lord and he asks the Lord to bless him. But it wasn't just an ordinary blessing. It was a blessing indeed. He wanted the best that God could give him. We so often use the word so lightly, well, the Lord bless me, or the Lord bless you, and yet there's a depth in it. The Lord bless you indeed. May God give you out of his treasure box something that you dearly need. And he wanted to change this label. He didn't want it as a legacy. And he said, Lord, that you would bless me indeed. Now we know that God changed people's names in the Bible. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Abraham's name to Abraham. And I suspect Jabez wanted his name changing. Didn't want this label of pain and sorrow. But God has his own ideas, his own mind, and he didn't change his name, but he changed his legacy. Isn't that wonderful? And this prayer is for the glory of God, not a selfish prayer. And we ask ourselves the question, what is the glory of God? What is his glory? What does the Bible mean when he talks about the glory of God? You see, the glory of God is everything that God is. He is marvelous, he is matchless, 
is sensational. His acts of mercy, his acts of forgiveness and love are beyond anything that we can ever dream or think of. His love for mankind is something that we can never understand. And his forgiveness matches it. That's why you and I are here this morning. Because of that glorious and matchless grace and love which he passed into his own beloved son. And John tells us that Jesus having loved his own he loved them to the end. That is something that we can never understand. And this prayer was for that glory to be revealed within him, within Jabez. Because he prayed not only for a blessing, but he, play, he prayed for an extension of his border and his territory. And that is not talking about land. Jerusalem had been raised to the ground completely. Hadn't even been rebuilt. So he owned nothing. He was praying for an enlargement of his own heart. That he might become like Ezra, his model. And do something for God that would last. That he would be blessed as he did it. And he could get to the people and convey his heart to them and the heart of God. That's what he was praying for. And that is part of God's glory and he was praying for that glory. Now as you know, God took the dearest thing to his heart. thing he loved most inseparable from him and sent him down to this earth and gave him for us and what did we do with him we beat him black and blue and scourged him we put a cross a crown of thorns upon his head and we gave him a death that was the most cruel ever devised by a human being the death of the cross and we sat down while he was in his agony and we watched him there that's what the scripture says God had to turn away when he saw the evil that men had committed upon <clears throat> his beloved now God would give his son but in Isaiah 42 and verse 8, he says, My glory I will give to no man. And that's why God is so staunch in holding on to his glory. He will not let it go. And right in the beginning of the scriptures, we're told God is a jealous God. And he's jealous because of his glory and he knows the day man gets it he'll trample it in the dust of the ground and it will be gone and he says my glory I will give to no man he'll give you his son but he won't give you his glory that's God 
and he guards it. And Jabez here wanted to do something for that glory. Wanted to reach men for God. What a heart he had. What a desire he had. Enlarge my borders. That your hand might be with me. He knew that he could only receive that by faith. And faith only as God was with him. And God was keeping him and holding him together. And friend, when we think about, about what he was praying for. And we look at our own day to day. And we can see what's going around, going on around us. You don't need me to tell you about it. You know it. You can see it. You understand it. And God has brought us together in His church as a group of people to do just that. To love one another. To share with one another. Jesus said, love one another, even as I have loved you. On the night that Bob was reading to us just before we break bread, Jesus took a bowl, water, he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, do you know what I, your Lord and Master, have done? Go thou and wash one another's feet. He's not saying that we should do that today, but what he is saying is that we should be ready as those who love Christ to take on menial tasks and to do them not as unto man, but unto the Lord. That's what he's brought us together for, to love one another, to serve one another, to share Christ, so that that spirit remains within us and we feel, we feel. Remember when Lazarus had died and Jesus stood outside his tomb and he looked at the tomb and in two words the Bible says, Jesus wept. And the people around him said, how he loved him. How he loved him. Jesus was touched. And just as he is touched, he wants us to be touched by his own heart. He wants us to feel like he felt. To know a bit of what he, he was like in his heart. Paul says, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. But the wording is that I might know him. Salvation in itself, I'm on my way to heaven, isn't enough. That's the doorway into getting to know God and to know Christ. That is only the beginning. Jesus said, I am the door. Come by me and enter in. He's inviting us in. 
And he says, come in and share with God. Come in and take his heart upon you. Come in and take how he feels upon you. So that you can feel for one another. You can share with one another. You can help with one another in the cause. And you see what is happening around you. And that's what Jabez prayed for. Oh, that your hand might be upon me. He knew that he could only receive this by faith, no other way. And he prays for God's hand to be upon him and to keep me from evil, that it might not grieve me. Keep me from that thing that I was named after. Keep me from it and the evil that it will bring me. Protect me from it. Be my God. I believe and trust in you. Keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. And because it was for God's glory, God granted his request. Jabez was a completely, totally different man. And that is here in the midst of this hard, dry, arid chronicle for us to read and be blessed. That to me is an oasis in the dark, arid desert of what people call we cannot understand. Friend, I would ask you to dive in, plunge yourself into this oasis and enjoy the blessing that he conveys to you. This is about God, not about men. It's about what God can do within each one of us to get us to be a bit more like him which is the reason why he gave Christ so that we might be a bit more like him you're in the world but you're not of it you're an entirely different species you've been born again by the spirit of God you're a child of God not a child of the devil like I once was but I changed size when I received Christ as my Savior. And I became a son of the living God. And I have every right to call him my father. He birthed me. He brought me to the new birth. He created me. But he birthed me as his son. He birthed you as his daughter. And he says, now take my spirit upon you. Learn of me, Jesus said. I am humbly God. Learn of me. And that's what it's all about. That's what church is all about. That's what our coming together is all about. Here we take on the spirit of this man, Jabez. Be inspired by what he asked God for. And may our own lives be inspired by it. May God bless that message to your heart and to mine. Because I need it as much as you do. Shall we pray?
Father, we give you thanks this morning for a message to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that we might learn more of you. And as we read your word, we should better understand it and find it is as sweet as honey, as honey in the honeycomb. As Ezekiel saw it, and he says, I did eat the word, and it was sweet. May your word be just that to us. May our fervor be to be more like Jesus that we may know him, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection and live the new life that you have planned for us. That we might learn to let our spirits rest in you and for you to control us do what you would have us to do so that ultimately the glory may be yours we want no part of the glory father it is yours and we gladly give it to you accept our thanks this morning bless your word to our hearts even more so as we sing together our closing song, Great God of wonders, all thy ways display the attributes divine. <laughs> 